The scripture is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Medical exam table. After doctor explained the result of the test for the tumor in his pancreas, my friend turned to me with his typical big smile and said, DJ, you want some of that? I didn't know what to say, how to respond. I just hated myself on being there, being helpless. And I was hopeless with my faith. And my beloved friend, Ron, passed away in a month. From where does our help come? But Psalm 121 praises our help comes from the Lord. The psalmist praises, I lift up my eyes to the hills. What hills? It is Jerusalem, more specifically Jerusalem Temple. And they call it Zion. But what about us? Where do we turn to and lift up our eyes and when we, need, we are in need of help? When we are in big trouble? Where do we turn to? Do you turn to God? And expect the Lord will help you? We do not turn to the Lord until we realize all our efforts become useless. Don't we? We try everything until we turn to the Lord. Because we don't think God is our help unless God helps me according to my will, my way. 
Israelites had two gods. Zion, the exclusive god, only for themselves, only for Israel, the Zion. And Yahweh, the inclusive god for the whole world, even Gentiles, idol worshippers, And over the years, their Zion became their idol. And their faith in Zion became nationalism. Even still today. What about us? Christianity. We have two gods, the church and Christ, aren't we? Many Christians worship church, the institutionalized church, denomination, but they don't worship Christ in church because the institutionalized church pursue after power and money. For the church goers and promise to keep their status quo. Security. So they came to church and worship church, not Christ. It is typical sign of depravity of a religion. When a religion collaborates with the money and power, it becomes nothing but organized and self-centered social club. They are dangerous. Religion can be dangerous if they pursue money and power. So, do you? Do we worship Christ or do we worship church for ourselves? The psalmist prays is the inclusive God. Verse 2 says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth because the Lord created all beings in heaven and earth. So the Lord cherishes and helps all beings, not only human beings, but the mountain, the nature, ocean, fish, animals, the galaxy. God cares and God helps them. So when we sin and disobey the principle of creation, 
God still so loved us. And God came to us in Christ and died for all beings in heaven and earth being restored. So we are church. We became church because of Jesus Christ restored the principle of creation. So we are church, the followers of Christ, not church. The church initially, the church is English, but church, Iglesia, is just, in Latin, it is just group of people. Just group of people. That's church. They call, they didn't have a baseball team, but if they have a baseball team over there, that's Iglesia. If there's a people of jurors or group of people just get, get together, oh, Iglesia. That's a church, just group of people. We're just group of people, selfish, self-centered. If we pursue, churchy pursue money and power for ourselves. Since Jesus expects us to live with the restored principle of creation, we must cherish and care and help other people, not ourselves. Are we inclusive church or exclusive church? Are we existing for others? Or are we existing just for ourselves, our church? This is the reason I wear this jersey today. Do you love baseball? Or do you love Phillies? Maybe you've never been asked this way. Do you love baseball or do you love Phillies? I confess, I love Phillies. I love Phillies like you. Most of you. Because when Philly lose, I'm getting on my nerves. Like last night. I was watching Phillies game until third inning and they were losing and just I changed the channel. And then later I checked it. Wow, what happened at eighth inning? I regret it a lot. So if if Phillies win, I'm happy. Right? But like I did yesterday, they keep losing, keep making that stupid mistakes, then I don't want to watch them anymore. Yeah. I think I'm pathetic, even hypocrite. 
because I claim myself Phillies fan. But I don't do anything. I don't do anything about their winning or you know losing, right? If just I'm just yelling in front of you know yelling at them, scream at them in front of TV. That's all I do. But I criticize them for their losing. Right? Maybe this jersey cost of, you know, the price of this jersey maybe helped them, you know, salary a little bit, right? Their $100 million salary in a little bit. But I don't do anything about their winning and losing. I'm not their coach. I don't do anything about Phillies. But I complain about it. You know what? I wish I loved Phyllis itself. My first church in Philly, I still remember this lady. She was almost 100 years old. but She was very healthy. She was, until she passed away, she prepared the communion. And I visited her monthly. And she lived right behind the church. And she always, her TV's on and watching Phillies game. So at that time, it was a 2007, so at that time, I didn't know about Philly. I just came to Philly. And, and she excused herself watching Phillies. And to me, wow, I mean, all those years, only one championship winning. And how come you still love Philly, you know, to me, you know, I used to live in LA, I used to live in, you know, Arizona, you know, the good, strong, you know, that, you know uh, baseball team over there. But then I'm so glad that she passed away a few days after their championship, World Series championship, 2008. I was so happy for her. But I wish it like her. I love Philly itself. Just love baseball itself. Regardlessly, they win or lose, I wish I love baseball itself. You know, the change Jesus made on the cross was ending the endless competition of the world. Because what sin does, what sin does, what sin did was cause us eternal deficiency. Even we have in abundance, but sin causes us feel that we are in deficiency. So we have to compete. We have to fight. But God, we know God still provides us abundantly. But we assume an in indifferent attitude on the death of 26,000 people every day from hunger. Did you know that? Every night, every 26,000 mostly women and children dying from hunger every day on this planet, in this world. We are liable for that. Because God called us to cherish them and help them. But we don't. 
And we know millions of refugees around the world desperately looking for a place to live because their home is no longer a place to live. But no countries welcome them. But it is, it is what it is. If, we don't have, if they don't have peace, we don't have peace. It looks like we have a peace here. We have a shalom here. But if anyone in the world is not in peace, not in shalom, then we are not in peace. Shalom was not just for Israel, but the whole nation, for all nations. And peace of Christ, not just for church, but for the whole world. Then how does the Lord help us and bring peace? Psalmist says, He will not let your foot be moved. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The promise, the, the premise of the Lord's blessing, Lord's help, we must be in the wilderness. And the Lord is our keeper, the shepherd. But no one thinks, you don't feel that you are in the wilderness, right? Even you go to camping, camping ground, have everything, right? Electricity, water, and everything, right? Nobody wants to be in the wilderness. Nobody wants to be vulnerable. Nobody wants to be dependent, right? That is why we're in this endless competition. But remember, Israelites were faithful and powerful for 40 years in the wilderness. But as soon as they settled in the promised land, they turned away from the Lord because they think they are, pow- they are powerful and strong. The early church was powerful and strong. Over 300 years of severe persecution in Roman Empire. But as soon as they got the freedom of worship with the power and money, they persecuted other people. Church persecuted other people. They were corrupted. And in a century and a half, the empire, the Roman Empire, the Christian Empire perished. What about church today? Hasn't church, the institutionalized church, denominations reached the critical point of depravity and corruption? with the money and power. We must help church by going back to our wilderness. When all these beautiful hymns were written, when all these beautiful churches were built, 
that time, the wilderness time. You must restore the first love of the early church. The psalmist says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalmist tried to remind Israelites their covenant. The first love in Deuteronomy 28. In verse 3 and 6 of Deuteronomy 28 says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. But there is a condition, there are conditions in verse 1 and 2. It says, if you faithfully obey the voice, voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Amen. God's blessing, God's true help is coming from we living for God's will, not my will. We turn to the Lord and when your help comes, how are you going to help me? But actually help in us. If we live, listen to the voice of the Lord. Do His will. Friends, from where does your help come? Sometimes we are standing helplessly before our loved ones, pain and struggle and suffering. But remember, the Lord appointed you and me. To them, your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-worker, the people you encounter every day, to help them and cherish them by living God's will. We live in God's will. If we turn to the Lord and gaze the Lord, In our life, we are the living hope for the people we're standing before. Not because we can fix their problems, but because we are walking with them. Because we are with them. When we are in cancer, when we are in grief, 
when we are in financial trouble, God do not come just, you know, fix all our problems, heal us from our cancer. But God is with us. Because this, this, this life is a finite. But God is with us in finite, and we become infinite. Even though we are, you are healed from your cancer, you don't live not even 150 years. First church, we are the keepers of the Ephrata. The people in need, in hunger, in crisis, in pain. We must be the seeker of those people in Ephrata. If we keep them in our care and love and grace, and they will know where their help comes. Without giving a piece of bread to the hungry person, you can say, the Lord is your help. If we do, then God will bless us in our going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.